If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, you can download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Wiser Wednesday Experience Speaks, a podcast that discusses the improvement of physician engagement and physician documentation habits by focusing on the core aspects of clinical documentation integrity. Here is the creator and founder of Core CDI, the co-founder of Top Gun Audit School, and your host of this podcast, Glenn Krause. Hello everyone, this is Glenn Krause from Core CDI and Top Gun Audit School. Hope everyone's doing well and staying safe. So I have the privilege today of having one of my longtime colleagues, Heidi Hillstrom, CDI visionary. She aligns with my thoughts and vision of CDI. She's deeply involved in the revenue cycle. Heidi has taken a 360 holistic view a point of CDI just like I've been advocating and promoting for years and uh, I'm lucky to have her on the podcast today. I posted something on LinkedIn yesterday about some CDI training and it really got under my skin so I got right on LinkedIn and posted my thoughts and Heidi commented. She made an excellent comment and we come up with an idea. We really feel strongly that it's time to upgrade the CDI career path because we've been stuck in the same realms of CDI with little opportunity for advancement, not only of our individual careers, but also the advancement of the profession. So Heidi, glad to have you on the podcast today. So what I wanted to really hone over today was upgrading the CDI career path. CDI is a profession, not simply a job. And what what are your thoughts? Why why is it that we kind of stuck in the KPIs of task-based activities? You're seeing a lot of, just like me, a lot of colleagues in CDI being furloughed which to me, to me means that we're considered unessential task-based activities. So what are your thoughts, Heidi, on that? What do we need to do to really upgrade the CDI career path? Okay, well, thanks, Glenn, for having me on today. We are seeing CDI being furloughed because it seems to me that CDI has moved into more of a task-based a discipline where it's looking at a software program and just making click. So yeah. you're clicking through to, you know, yep, 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 this diagnosis, click, 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 click. I think the software does play a part in that. I don't think that that was the intent of the software to kind of, I feel like it has solved the growth of CDI. I don't believe that that was the intent, but it seems like we've settled into a stall with CDI software that's supposed to make it better. However, it's put us in a position where it's more of a, a, a data entry 
um, PDI system. Oh, you mean, so are you implying that there's not much, because the focus is on reviewing 25 charts, which is a standard, I believe, in most facilities, Lord knows where that number come from. And, right. And the requirement, one of our KPIs is queries, the 30% query right. rate. Lord knows right. where it's, that come from. And, and what is happening now, personally, I feel that the software focuses on quantitative metrics, quantitative data. So yeah. in the situation we're in now where the census is low because hospitals right. across the country are not performing routine procedures, we're not having the admissions that we usually see. So across the country, hospital censuses are down. And so when that happens, the system, you're not picking up, well, so-and-so performed, what, 20, 20 to 30 reviews today, um, so that's a quantitative measure. Um, so not so many queries went out today, maybe two or three versus the usual 20 if a system performs. Oh, so that's another quantitative measure. And so right. what happens is now that the software collects quantitative information, the, the whole value of CDI is not being measured. So, of course, administrators are, are going to look at that and only view the quantitative data coming out from software. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I had a colleague who applied for a CDI position. You know, obviously it's not a good time to be looking for a CDI opportunity. And uh, I think she she went through the interview process. She made it through the HR screening process. Then she talked to the, the hiring manager, CDI director, and then uh, she thought that went well. But I think one thing she answered, she answered that didn't resonate with the CDI director was, What's your typical day? How many charts do you review? And how many queries do you leave? And uh, she said, well, I usually leave about five to six queries. Okay, if you think about 25 chart review and you leave at 30%, so that's six, five to six queries. That wasn't enough. The recruiter told her that they, didn't, they weren't happy with her response of uh, six queries. Well, what happens if there's no queries are needed? Depends on the where the program is, if, if it's been successful over the course of the program, your query should be going down. So right. it's really time to upgrade the CDI career path. You know, one of the, one of the people who, uh, I want to get your response to this, Heidi. One of the people, nurses, CDI nurses in uh, Milwaukee area, who I know of the facility where she's worked, said she feels kind of stunted. How, do we, how does she address a situation where... Uh, the department is stunted because they're expected to leave queries uh, and the typical KPIs, number of queries, charts reviewed, and she and deep died inside her heart, she wants to do much better. She knows that she can do better. She knows the profession can do better. But the leadership of CDI and the, and the leadership of C-suite of the hospital doesn't understand the value of CDI. What, what can we do to upgrade the CDI career path? How can we get out of the realms of being not unessential at this point, task-based activities. I know you've had great success, Heidi, in branching out to different parts of your department. You're like an octopus. Your tentacles are all into different parts of revenue cycle. How, how do we get people to emulate what you're doing? Well, the key is you have to really advocate for yourself and your program. If you are going to sit in a silo and just stay in front of your computer and perform your daily tasks, how are people going 
going to know what you do? How do your C-suite know what value you bring? How do other departments know what value you bring if you're not getting yourself out there? So I really promote advocating for yourself. So this is from my personal experience. Okay, go ahead. I'd like to hear this. I have been very vocal about myself requesting, oh, I want to be part of this committee. So I am. I am part of the Utilization Management Committee. I am part of the Quality Committee because I asked to be on there. No one, they didn't know who I was, so I advocated for myself to become part of these committees throughout the hospital. And once you start doing that, people that you're working with will realize your value and then they will just start asking you to participate in various programs and developments in organizational strategies. So that is how that happened for me. So now it's natural where people just start asking me to participate. But I had to go out there and make that happen. Right. Um, and, and you have to be vocal about it. And fortunately, you have a CFO who supports what you're doing. And I commend that. I'm confident in saying that in those programs that are stuck in their realms of KPIs, task-based queries, uh, response to queries, CCMCC, capture, case mix, index, increase. It doesn't leave them with a lot of space or or real estate to to have that luxury to to branch out. And so my thoughts are, and Heidi, uh, interested in your comments, my thoughts are to get involved in denials and appeals. When I ask people at my conferences and workshops and webinars, folks, how many of you get feedback on denials? I probably get maybe one person to respond in the chat box on a webinar or one person in an in-person presentation, which I, I really am missing and yearning to come back for, in a room of 100. That's just not good. So we can get involved in denials and appeals. I think the attitude we should be having or thinking or the traction we can get by, by getting more involved in denials and appeals. Mm-hmm. Understanding what our denial rate is. What denials are we getting for medical necessity? What denials are we getting for clinical validation? That's big with insurance companies and their mm-hmm. and their cost containment. Well, no, we don't see sepsis. No, we don't see acute metabolic encephalopathy. We don't see acute respiratory failure. We don't agree with this diagnosis. And right. uh, unfortunately, there are times when they're right. Maybe the clinical indicators are yep. in the chart, but the clinical picture, the clinical facts, the patient's story does not support the diagnosis. We should be getting more involved with improving the communication of the patient's story, working with case management in UR, working with our physician advisor, break down the siloed approach that leads us to be thought of and treated as unessential a service in this epidemic. We got to change the outlook of CDI. Heidi, your thoughts? Yeah, and that's true for me. I'm I'm very involved in our denials and appeals, but like again, I said, I had to advocate for myself to become part of that. And as I became part of it, I've kind of taken ownership of the clinical validation denials. And organizations value in me doing that because our program is successful at overturn. And our program is successful at taking the information that we see. Perhaps I see a case where, no, the clinical indicators weren't there. I am successful still working that case, not by overturning the denial, 
but taking samples of where we fell short, bringing it back to the CDI team and bringing it back to our physician body to prevent that happening again in the future. So that's still successful and I'm still being valued for what I'm doing. You know, actively writing the appeals and overturning, maybe not overturning, but including the physician body in those appeals and denials. So whether we win or lose, there's still seeing value in what I bring to the table. And then also, I've also been involved not only in the behind scenes at the hospital, but because of the value I'm bringing to the table, I'm also involved in all of our conference calls with the pairs. So um, if we're having a call with, I'll just say it, with Humana, I'm involved in those calls and talking to those people that are that we work with closely and the medical directors i'm actively involved yeah, this is great so it will happen for you it just doesn't happen overnight and you're sitting there well i want to get involved advocate for yourself you start showing your value and you know and when you do participate in an, in a um committee meeting i mean if you're just going to sit there quiet you're not going to be asked to participate in other and other opportunities. But once you start showing your value and advocating for yourself and your program, you will be involved. Um, and uh, why would why, why would your organization not want to tap into you when they see results of what you bring? A couple of points before we close. I agree with everything. You made some excellent points. One of the things that like that person who posts on LinkedIn, how do they add value? How can they expand their horizons? And a couple of areas I want to, a couple of ideas I want to throw out there for the people listening, plus you, Heidi, if you want to comment. It's almost incumbent upon us to work with our CDI leadership to demonstrate the, the potential value and the positive return that we can affect if we get out of our realms of CCs MCCs. For instance, if I uh, I suggested to this person in a, in a LinkedIn, uh, you know, email uh, direct to her, she may want to reach out to our CDI leadership and ask these pertinent questions. What is what denials are we getting from CC MCCs where we left a query? That should be one of our KPIs. Uh, mm-hmm. What's our overturn rate for these uh, right. clinical validation denials? What about our DRG downgrades? Are we let us look at them as we get them in real time to see whether we can or what we maybe need to focus on from a sufficiency standpoint from a documentation of the patient's story let's work with our physicians to discuss these denials not in an impunitive way uh, in a positive way Physicians are not the problem. They are part of the solution. Improving documentation. That doesn't mean throw more queries at physicians because all that does is aggravate them. And, you know, the last thing I want to say, Heidi, uh, in getting your thoughts in closing is I feel, and I don't know about you, but I, I'm adamant in saying I'm really uh, convinced the current processes of CDI uh, as a recognized standard for documentation improvement, they've stunted our growth, development. They've been like a cannonball around our waist in the development and advancement of the profession because all it does is perpetuate our current model of task-based activities perpetuates the status quo. There is resistance to change from 
from the CFOs, the C-suite revenue cycle directors. And why is that? Because they have not recognized the potential that we can bring to the table and effect positive change in a non-siloed approach. And so we're not able to update our skill sets. And even if we do, we're not able to apply them because we're measured based on tasks. Heidi, your closing thoughts on that? Yeah, and that seems to be what the current model is at this time for many programs. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I can't stress it enough to advocate for yourself, advocate the potential value you have. Because if you don't, that's what you're going to be measured on, solely based on a computer-driven task. KPI, and you'll be staying behind your computer and in your That's tube. right. I, I had a CDI colleague in the Midwest say he feels he's working on a CDI farm. Excuse me, I said. He says, yeah, I'm just there producing queries and sending them out and hoping they respond. So to me, that's never going to get us where we want, where we should be individually and collectively, and I'm really calling on CDI leadership to break away from the task-based leadership, okay? It's more to CDI than going to my CFO every month and, and offering the KPIs and, and letting the C-suite know how great our program is. Meanwhile, we're getting denials up to wazoo. So uh, yep. CDI leadership plays a vital role in educating, recognizing the need for urgent change, working with our C-suite and those that we report to above us to promote the value, the potential to improve real documentation that's measurable, that's sustainable, that meets the definition of our title, of our recently changed profession, integrity, give real meaning to that word, drive down denials. And the last thing I want to say is with this crisis and the financial repercussions of all the COVID-19 and the cost and the the 70% reduction in surgeries. We have hospitals who are losing 15, 16, $17 million a month because of lack of elective surgeries. People are not coming to the ER. Heidi, your facility is currently experiencing that as we discussed. We have to change. There is no room for complacency and the status quo. Uh, And uh, Heidi, last comment on that? Exactly. So even if your census is low and the amount Mm -hmm. of queries isn't going out, you still have to make sure that what you are doing now, um, your documentation is of quality and you're not going to still see denials in the future based on lack of documentation that supports your medical necessity or get denials based on diagnoses that were denied because you weren't actually doing your job because you were furloughed due to the census. That's right. Great points, Heidi. I appreciate your input. And so, folks, if you haven't been to the TopConAutoSchool.com website, we have three webinars. One of them that was uh, Heidi did a great job presenting with me some concepts that you really need to consider on medical necessity, preventive denials of warden's documentation. A colleague of mine, Dr. Jake Martin, came up with that, and I agree with it. And we have a great, Heidi and I are doing a great webinar. I'm finishing up the slides. You're going to have some real case studies to drive home the point of the standards of E&M that we must master and understand uh, in order to be effective, competent, skilled, facilitators and communication of patient care. Our goal is not to teach you how to code. Our goal is to 
is to drive home the point, if you know the standards of documentation from an E&M standpoint, that is the standard that we should be subscribing to. So go to the website, put your email into topgunartschool.com and sign up for our listserv. We promise not to spam you. You'll get a notice of any upcoming webinars. They're very cost effective. We have a listserv that I'm working to create. It's a great resource and go to core-cdi.com. So this concludes our podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. Please be safe. Remain optimistic, healthy, and Heidi, thanks so much for participating. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. Glenn Kraus can be found on LinkedIn. Make sure to subscribe to Wiser Wednesday Experience Speaks on Anchor.fm or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to also visit core-cdi.com for CDI and revenue cycle consulting services and topgunauditschool.com, a coaching service for hospital and clinicians. This podcast was produced by medicalcodinggeek.com. Medicalcordinggeek.com